Hello and welcome back. This is Dr. Krista Ello, and I am a diabetes health coach and a medication expert, and I've definitely been accused of being an angry pharmacist. I like to think of myself as a passionate pharmacist because I want us to use medications properly instead of just throwing a pill at every symptom and calling things cured. But in order for me to change that, I need to change some minds so I can change your life. Welcome to the Angry Pharmacist Podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about something that everybody has, and that is relationships with food. Yes, relationship with food. I know this sounds totally crazy. I know this sounds a little bit uncomfortable even to even say out loud, that we have a relationship with food, but I know that you know that it's true. So we are going to dive into that just a little bit today because it's not just food we have relationships with, it's, well, everything that we like to be addicted to. So before we get into that, though, if you have type 2 diabetes, pre-diabetes, you're being threatened with more medication and you want no part of it, I created a 30-day blood sugar reset plan just for you to give you the step-by-step blueprint in order to get off the drugs, avoid the drugs, and just live life instead of living with diabetes, okay? So you can head over and find that at mysugarreset.com, www.mysugarreset.com. It's on my website um, with drkristaello.com, and make sure while you're there, you get your freebies, okay? The 30-Day Blood Sugar Reset Challenge is basically my way of throwing all the coaching I can at you But instead of having to talk to me every day on the phone, every week on the phone, you just do it yourself, module by module, step by step. It's kind of awesome. So anyway, I put a lot of love and thought into that. Go check it out. Anyway, so today, let's talk about our relationship with food. Have you ever noticed online and social media how heated the debates get when we start talking about what food causes what? And what causes diabetes and what you can eat and what you can't eat? I mean, people get crazy angry. I think we're all just a little bit more triggered and offended easier these days. But I got to tell you, I don't see anybody on social media saying or fighting over things like cabbage and broccoli and, and salads. I don't see anybody fighting over cucumbers. But people will start throwing fists over bananas. It's actually a little bit nuts. And it's because we have this relationship with food. We used to just eat way back when we were, you know, cavemen and wanderers. We just eat to live. And now I feel like we've, we've transformed into this new era of human where we are living to eat. We look forward to our next meal. We can't wait for our next meal. We can't wait for Thanksgiving and our Christmas holidays. We can't wait for all those delicious goodness. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with looking forward to that because there's some good stuff in there. But we have created even a reward system around if you're good all week, you can have this on the weekends, right? So we're, we're laying down a foundation of sweet foods, foods that aren't great for us are our rewards. And we keep walking towards that like it's our carrot. Like, something, like we literally are the ones dangling a carrot in front of us our carrot being like a piece of cake or a pasta dish so we can get through to through all these other days. Like forget all these other days I have to get through 
All I care about is that 10 minutes when I get to eat that meal. And then it's over with, of course. <laughs> and then, then we're looking forward to the next week. And what happens when we do that is our life flashes before our eyes and we're just living to eat. That's all we want to do is eat. And I think we get caught up in this loop because we have a relationship with that food. Okay, and it elicits a lot of emotion. And so I see this, see this every day with coaching, with consulting, all the time. Because if it was as easy as me telling you, hey, if you have diabetes, drop your carbs as low as you can, eat real food, and do that for long enough where the disease reverses. Okay, and then maybe at that point you can think about eating a few starches like potatoes. Okay, <laughs> again. But that's not what we do, right? That's that's not what we do. That doesn't work. That doesn't work, you know, because I've been saying this for years and everybody looks at me funny because, and one of the biggest barriers is, what do you mean this food is going to raise my sugar? What do you mean this food is going to raise my sugar? And what do you mean I can't have this food? All right, we have this relationship with this food and we're not ready to break up with it yet. And that's okay. You know what, honestly, the best clients I've ever had, the ones I love the most are the ones who can admit this. Okay, when I'm coaching, I'm like, all right, we're, we got this far. We got you off the diet soda because that was causing problems. Diet soda causes problems for sure. Okay, we've made all this great, but I want, I want to keep going. Let's keep going. What's our next goal? We got to keep you going because we still have, You've done all this awesome stuff, but I, I want to keep you going. Of course, this is me talking to my, to my client. And I'm like, do you want to address pasta yet? <laughs> right? And that client will be like, not yet. I'm not ready to talk about that yet. Right? And that's amazing because there's a recognition that we have a relationship with that food. We think about that food as endearing. Right? We, we love that food. And I can't even imagine getting rid of that food. Even when I tell you, you get rid of this food and you're going to live longer. You're going to be healthier. You're going to feel better in the body. You're going to feel amazing. You're going to need less insulin. You're going to need no insulin if you're type 2. If you get rid of this food. Why isn't it an automatic stop? Because we have a relationship with food. Now, if it was purely, honestly, it was a, if it was purely physical, all right, and I know this because I'm a pharmacist and we know all this stuff about biochemistry and it's ridiculous. But anyway, if it was purely a physical thing that we had, be it addiction or a relationship or some kind of draw to whatever it is that gets our serotonin and dopamine levels going, food's definitely one. You know, all the illicit drugs are another, smoking's one. We are addicted to that feeling that that, you know, food or whatever gives us. And it really is physically as easy as weaning off of that substance over a week, over two weeks, and having it leave our body. That is actually physically possible, for sure. We, I could take heroin, right? Take someone who's on heroin. You wean them slowly off of heroin. And physically, they are off heroin. They're not really withdrawing off heroin anymore because we weaned it off, okay? So why is it we come bounding back? Why is it those people relapse? What is it about that drug, that substance? What happens? What happens is there was a relationship, okay? Just like any relationship that's bad for us, we try to get out of it. It takes us, what, three or four times to get out of that bad relationship with that person, with that drug, with that habit, with that substance, with that food. 
Okay, because we keep pulling back towards it. We keep rebounding towards it um, because we crave what it was giving us. Okay, it's not a physical thing. We have a relationship with it. It is a mental thing. It is a serotonin dopamine thing. It is a, this person was part of my life. Okay, this substance was part of my life. When I needed something, that substance was there for me. When I was down and out and feeling low, I could always count on fill in the blank. I could always count on my cigarettes. I could always count on that apple pie. I could always count on my raviolis and sauce. You know, I could always count on whatever, you know, whatever you have a relationship with that it also at the same time is doing you harm. I could always count on that. And then the thought of living in this world suddenly without that thing that was there for us well, that sounds terrifying. Why would I even do that? Why would I even acknowledge the thought of doing that? Why would I consider doing that? Well, because literally it's killing you, right? We do this with cigarettes. We do this with cigarettes a lot. When I was out there helping people as a clinical pharmacist, getting people off their cigarettes, okay? Honestly, I really didn't like giving people drugs. I didn't. Because the easiest thing for you to do is cut down by a half a cigarette a day, a cigarette a week. As long as you start weaning off that substance, you are going in the right direction to getting off of it, okay? And when I put people on nicotine and pills and replacements, all I'm doing is giving them a fill-in for something to have a relationship with. And they have not, they have not really discussed that with the cigarette. They haven't come to terms with it. It's kind of like if somebody left home and decided to end the relationship by never coming back. That's kind of what it is. When you give up cigarettes like that, you haven't looked it in the face and been like, look, <laughs> I enjoy your company, but you are physically killing me. So I'm going to have to slowly wean you out of my life. You would not believe how stupidly powerful, that sounds stupid, but you would not believe how powerful it is to just take that step. But we don't even acknowledge that. We don't even look at it that way. We don't even say, hey, you have a relationship with this thing and you're going to have to like write a, a Dear John letter. You're going to have to put it in an envelope, seal it with a kiss and call it a day. You're going to have to close this chapter. We don't. We're just like, here's a substitute. And hopefully that will keep you from freaking out long enough where you can keep this habit going. And if you survive and, and are able to keep away from cigarettes long enough, there's a chance that you will never smoke again. But that honestly, it's like the worst way to do it. It's that, again, the medical field making everything super complicated. Slowly wean off a cigarette by a little bit at a time, okay? But you have to acknowledge the relationship first, okay? If you are one of those binge eaters at night, okay, you are in the program of binge eating all day long. If you felt like crap, what, what keeps you warm at night? It's that, that food, it keeps you company. It keeps you feeling less lonely and less like afraid or less anxious. Whatever it is that's driving you to do that, and we all do this, I'm not judging you, I got a peanut butter jar in the in the uh, cupboard right now that's half empty for some reason. I'm not sure. But we lay down this program of food being who we go to. Okay, maybe we maybe we should really look at that. I mean, there is some physical pulls, but it, could it be that in a world with billions of people, we're actually more lonely than we've ever been before? Okay, and we're looking for substances to cope with that. And now we have this relationship. So if you're, if you're going to get out of a relationship with food, with anything, you have to acknowledge it first. So that's step one. 
Okay, so I challenge you today, if you're hearing this, I challenge you to, to tell me, to tell yourself, what, what are you in a relationship with that's not serving you, that you maybe haven't looked at as a relationship? Are you in a relationship with Facebook? Right? Definitely can have some serious addictions there. Do you have a relationship with being online where it's, you know, when you're lonely and sad, what do you go to to pick you up? Is it Facebook? Is it online? Is it shopping? Okay. Is it haagen <laughs> Is it getting a new pair of shoes? Is it cigarettes? What is it? Because there is something there. There's always something there. And if it's not serving you, you have to address it and figure out who or what in this world you can replace it with. That's the hardest thing. That is probably one of the hardest things to do is what do I replace this with now? Okay. And here's a funny story for you. This is, I have all kinds of great stories of patients who I've helped and I just love them because they're just great people. You know, you just meet somebody and it's just like, you know, it's amazing what can happen when you just have an honest discussion instead of going into your doctor and giving, having them give you a lecture. When you just meet people where they are, stuff gets done. And that's why I have all of these stories because, you know, I just see people as people and they see me as people and we get stuff done and have a conversation and that's it. Okay. But that's a whole another podcast episode later. All right. Right now we're talking about relationships with food, but this one gentleman actually came to my clinic and he had crazy out of control diabetes. He had an A1C about 13%. That's basically being three, um, having 300 milligrams per deciliter in your blood at all times. And he told me this story about how he used to be a chain smoker and he smoked all the time. He's like three packs a day and all, you know, all the time, basically a cigarette in his mouth. I'm like, oh, cool. Well, I'm glad you kicked that habit. He's like, yeah, but I replaced it with a different habit. And I'm like, oh, Lord, what was that? Terrified, by the way, of what he was about to say. He's like, yeah, well, I started drinking chocolate milk. I'm like, oh, he's like, and then all of a sudden I have diabetes. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, well, first of all, I mean, I wanted to make him feel better. First of all, diabetes isn't all of a sudden. It just seems that way, right? So, you know, the new habit of chocolate milk, if you're replacing chain smoking and going through three packs a day of cigarettes um, with chocolate milk, yeah, that's going to accelerate the diabetes progression. That is for sure. Okay, so I, I, I want to make him feel a little better that it wasn't, you know, it was probably looming in the background somewhere. But then we had to address the chocolate milk, which now replaced the cigarettes with something else. Okay, and honestly, looking back on it, we just kind of did a hop skip we cigarettes, chocolate milk, and then off of the chocolate milk, he didn't seem to need anything else to fill that void, right? So we had maybe some kind of physical or oral fixation thing that we needed to deal with as we were getting off cigarettes. But after that, he really didn't need anything. He really, he didn't. And to this day, as far as I know, he has not gone back to smoking. So that is glorious. It's just a matter of, you know, <laughs> it's just a matter of making sure whatever you're replacing that with isn't going to do more harm. Super, super important. And, you know, again, this is, a, this is a way, just in the same way where we use medications to cover up a symptom of something, but then the disease continues underneath, very much like diabetes and our current treatment methods, really. It's like, here, get the sugar out of the blood. doesn't matter that diabetes is still raging underneath. Just get the sugar out of the blood. All right. And there's, um, there's arguments for that. All right. If you're talking about human behavior, blah, blah, blah. We can talk about that in another episode. Okay. But, you know, replacing something 
um, like cigarettes with a pill, again, is just covering up the symptom of that addiction. Okay, covering covering up um, your your relationship with food, with anger and outrage at somebody suggesting you get rid of that. Okay, it's just covering up a symptom of that. All right, so it is really important for you to kind of self-reflect on this a little bit, get a little awe, get a little meditation going. You know, what are you pulled towards every day that you can't, you can't really avoid? And here's a better one, actually. What have people suggested to you to get rid of that, you, that has just absolutely infuriated you, like seemingly out of nowhere? Now, let me put a misnomer on this because when it comes to having diabetes, you know, having diabetes is a little bit like being pregnant. The unsolicited advice is endless. If you have diabetes and if you're pregnant, nobody can shut up about it. Everybody has to tell you exactly what you should do, when you should do it, how you should do it. And I get that. That's annoying. Okay. But what particularly, actually, I think you should do this because People can get mad at each other and annoyed, but when, when somebody like me, like a, a coach or a doctor or a provider says to you, you really need to get this out of your life, what emotion does that elicit? Because I've had straight up arguments about bananas, okay? Angry about bananas, okay? Seriously, okay? <laughs> so that is a much better tool to determine if you have that relationship or if you have something you're hanging on to, if you have something in your life that you really don't need, but you don't want to get rid of it, is how angry do you get when it's suggested to you that you throw it out? All right, we've, you know, because you'll, you'll find you have a really skewed perspective on getting that out of your life. You know, it's kind of like, well, that doesn't make sense. I mean, you could have less diabetes, less meds, less worry about organ failure and foot feet being chopped off, but you're getting angry at me at telling you, to get rid of it. And I keep going back to the, to the woman who hung up on me about the soda. Uh, we were just having a lovely conversation and I'm like, okay, well, to be honest with you, you know, if, if you were me and were you to work together, I would definitely address the fact that you drink regular soda all the time and you've had an amputation and it's likely you'll have another one if it continues. Okay. And everything was going fine up until that point. Okay. And that's, that was her way of knowing for sure that she does not want to give up soda. For whatever reason, maybe she thinks she, she told me she gave up a whole, you know, case of soda every day, like a whole case of Coke every day she drank. And now she drinks only like two or three Sprites a day. And so in her head, that was probably like, I've given up enough. I'm going to keep my Sprite. Yeah. Again, a great way to look at it. But at the same time, you're getting mad at somebody who's basically saying what you already know. The soda clearly didn't serve you. You're down by one leg. So let's just get rid of it. Click. Click. All right. And there's your sign. There's your sign that they're not ready to hear that. Okay. But the, and there's definitely for sure 100% a relationship there. A relationship that she's not willing to end and no person can make her ready to end. All right. So what are you in relationship with? What's your thing? What's your thing that you get mad when somebody says, to get rid of. Totally, totally think about it. Take a minute. Take a second. I know you got one. All right. It could be, 
<laughs> it could be, I'm addicted to fighting with my boyfriend. That's a good one. It's amazing. But we definitely have relationships with feelings and things that give us feelings. And before anything can really progress, before you can really get out of depression, anxiety, out of diabetes, out of chronic disease, you have to address that first. Otherwise, we're just going to be spinning in circles. Otherwise, we're just going to be making changes and not making decisions, right? All right. I'm going to leave you with the homework to find out what you have a relationship with. And you might think it's silly, but even writing a letter to that piece of food to, to say you can't see each other anymore might actually give you some closure. So go ahead and do that. There also is a quiz you can take to see if you actually have an addiction to something like carbs or sugar. It's called the Unscope Quiz. Um, and so that is a really useful tool to see just, just what your mentality is around carbs and sugars because that is the one and only time I actually recommend cold turkey getting off of, of the carbs. Right? So it's the Unscope Quiz. Go ahead and look that up. See if it's from this nurse in Sweden um, that for some reason has escaped me all of a sudden. I don't know where that went. So, um, but that is a real thing. Look it up. Take the quiz. Come to terms with it. Okay. And if you ever need help doing this and need help and guidance on how to figure this out, this is really what I do for people. Again, I can tell you with diabetes, reduce your carbs. We shouldn't be eating 80% carbs as human. You just shouldn't be. It's not even debatable. It's not even something to argue about. We just shouldn't. Um, we, we shouldn't be eating as often as we do, five, six times a day. Really, what that doing is keeping your sugars and your insulin high all the time, right? It's not serving anybody, right? I can tell you exactly what to eat, when to eat it. But the coaching comes in because, one, we're stuck on all these beliefs that we think to be true but are not. And two, because we have relationships with what we've been doing already. Okay, so if you ever need help with that, guidance on that, just head over to drkristaello.com, www.drkristaello.com, and um, take a look at my freebies, take a look at a free console, and we'll see what we can do to get you unstuck, because I know before I change your life, I got to change your mind, right? Okay, so that is it for today. I will see you next time.